Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 63. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. And we're a couple getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's media and pop culture blind spots and sharing the must-see movies and guilty pleasures from our past. That's right. Yes. (laughs) Each week, one of us gets to choose something, the other person watches with, and then we unpack it all here for you. Yes. It was my turn to choose. You chose. The chosen one. You did the choosing. What did I choose? You chose City Lights by Charlie Chaplin. The bookstore? Well, you would always choose that if you had the preference, but that's not a movie or a media property. (laughs) No. Instead, you chose Charlie Chaplin's City Lights from 1931. Is it our first silent movie? On the podcast, yes. (laughs) I didn't mean like... (laughs) Actually, I really like Sunrise and Caligari so, yeah. and Metropolis. Yes. Which I'm sure will come up during the conversation at some point. Cool. So, so tell me, Dave, why did you choose? I've been wanting to do Lights. this for a long time. Mm. I love this movie. I love Chaplin. My dad took me to see my first Charlie Chaplin movie when I was, I don't know, nine or ten. Maybe mm. younger. Maybe eight years old. We saw The Gold Rush, ah, 1925. I one of his think first, I've seen that one either. One of his first features, <laughs> um, All in the Snow, and Charlie Chaplin in a little cabin that's going to fall off the cliff, and all that kind of stuff. Gold mining. Wonderful. Um, and that, I'm sure that print that we saw, I remember we saw it at uh, the Parkside Theater, which is no more in San Francisco. I don't know if anyone else is out there from San Francisco. Parkside Theater was on Terravel Street, and it was... You went inside, but I think it was like above a, they had ran a daycare down below somehow during the day. So all the seating was up above in a sort of a balcony thing, but it was slanted down. Mm. I don't know. It was a great rep theater for many, many years. I grew up there seeing everything. I saw my first Woody Allen movies there. I saw my first Chaplin there. I saw my first Hitchcock movies there. Um, But I loved Chaplin um, from the gold rush on. But the Gold Rush, even though that was my first, I think, has never been my... I mean, I'll always go back to it. And I can't even tell you when I first saw City Lights for the first time. But for me, it's like the the culmination of Chaplin. Mm. Like, it's the perfect Chaplin feature. Yeah. Because he made all these wonderful, like, one-reel comedies and stuff for many, many years. But this was like a story with humor and pathos and romance and like the whole like the whole range of emotions and i we i scheduled our screening for this movie right around the election time i think yeah and i really needed something that just put a smile on my face so it was again choosing something i wanted to watch with you now in this world um i don't know so those are some of my reasons yeah so I don't really know why I didn't see this before. My, I the only I, I believe the only Charlie Chaplin I'd seen before was. <laughs> you asked me if I'd seen any now. It was like so, the one with the kid, which is as you as you said multiple times is actually called, called the, the kid. kid. Yeah. <laughs> That's so. literally how my mom names refers to every yeah. movie. Though. <laughs> it's that so, one about the Great Gatsby. Yeah. The Great, the Great Gatsby. Gatsby. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I guess I had watched The Kid with my dad and my brother, you know, probably on some Saturday morning when 
you know, he still had enough uh, influence in our lives to, you know, make us watch uh, a silent film. You know, I, I think that may have been the only one that he ever got us to watch. After that, we're like, you know, skeptical. It has sound, right? It's in color, right? You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> I, I think you're familiar with this uh, line of, of uh, childhood, which is, you know, first you have control over what they're watching and you can convince them to watch anything. And then slowly over time, their skepticism rises and they only want to watch, you know. So <laughs> you, ha- you so that's the only one you've ever seen. Yeah. And I guess the I mean, like my other experience I've seen, um, I went to a beautiful uh, production of Sunrise with a live score. They had a quartet yeah playing and that was absolutely amazing and that was when i was in my mid-20s late 20s maybe and then um i saw metropolis at um they did a screening of it at the old austin um powerworks um, yeah yeah i think down by the river yeah (laughs) um so before it got made over into a design firm they had a show the draft house hosted a showing of um metropolis and it was amazing. It was. It was. But are those like, are those like the the silent movies that stand out for you, or are those like the only silent movies you've seen? Uh, they may be the only one because I've. I don't think I've seen Cabinet of Doctor Caligari. The original I have, Nosferatu. I think I've seen Nosferatu at some point. Did you say Caligari? You've seen? I haven't. No. Um, well, I mean, we're just randomly. I wanted naming. to, but I, for some reason, it never happened. I don't know why. And then you know, Paramount always shows. Oh, shorts before well, things. What about Buster Keaton? So I'd seen a lot of both Harold Lloyd and, and Buster Keaton uh, the shorts, shorts okay. before movies at the Paramount. So you know the one with the clock, um, and I, I guess it was a Buster Keaton one, the one where he builds a, a kit house. That's yeah, I've seen. And that's such a cool. I've never seen the whole movie. I was like fascinated. Clip. I was like, it's a house that arrives on a truck, and you just build it from the plans on the truck. Anyway. So those, that's kind of my my experience with, with silent film. Silent film. comedy, yeah. too. Well, not that Metropolis <laughs> and some of the other ones are comedies, but... So, um, I'm now, I've now gotten to be the dad who introduces Chaplin to his kids because the first thing that my now 16-year-old daughter, Fiona, ever watched on YouTube, Spokane, Washington, early evening, kind of getting her sleepy when she was probably three or four Charlie Chaplin shorts and clips on YouTube. In fact, she used to love um, the clips from modern times, mm-hmm. the one with Chaplin in the factory, yeah. which you have to see. That's yeah. like my second favorite <laughs> one. But the, the famous scene where he gets caught in the gears mm-hmm. and you see him going into the gears of the big machine and winding around. She loved that. She goes, she always said, uh, I want to see Charlie Chaplin in the machine. So that's what we called it, Charlie Chaplin and the Machine. Um, And it was, like, amazing years later, like when Mm. they're, I don't know, when my kids were, like, 10 and 8 or something to take them to the Paramount to see that movie, the whole movie, Modern Times on the big screen. And they now, and Fiona, not so much Sky, but Fiona, the one I introduced to Chaplin, still loves Chaplin, remembers it fondly, asks about Chaplin, (laughs) wants to know, wants to see bits of that movie sometimes, so... I don't know. Dads are supposed to introduce their kids to Chaplin. <laughs> well, I, I think you have a certain amount of like dad capital that you can choose to spend. And like, you know, 
sometimes it's worth it to spend your dad capital on something like Charlie Chaplin just because it's something that they need to know about that it's so suffused in our culture. It's almost unconscious. Like, well, it's what, like Mickey Mouse. Yeah, or... it's hard for me to know which Charlie Chaplin I have seen and which I haven't because it appears in so many clips of everything and it's like referenced in all sorts of things. And any if you watch any sort of physical comedy, it's influenced by Charlie Chaplin. You know, you just can't help but... It's, it's like, sort of suffused through Western culture. And, like, what I didn't realize is that, like, it was, like, a global phenomenon. I was just look, looking at the Wikipedia page for, for Charlie Chaplin, and, like, there's, like, sculptures of him all over the world. <laughs> he was the biggest yeah. star in the world <laughs> yeah. for a number of years. <laughs> He's, he was, like, uh, he was, like, the, what is it, is it BTK? Is that the name of the... Uh, North, uh, the Korean. Uh, Isn't it BTS? BTS, that's right. Okay. Sorry, BTK is. I don't know. <laughs> Burger killer. King or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's it's um, it's like I, I said, it's hard for me to to know what I have seen and what I haven't seen just because I've probably been exposed to a little bit of all of it at some point, you know. And it's well, here's the thing: when I realized you weren't that familiar with chaplain at all i was like i was like i want to show you some of these amazing movies i mean i i tried to find as much as i could at the time like you know at weird video rental stores and yeah. stuff of, probably mostly of the one reelers yeah and you know after that time when i first saw the gold rush and so i don't know when i eventually caught up with city lights i i may not have even caught up until i was like more of a late teenager or going into college and film school but um yeah so maybe we should give a one-liner kind of thing about what it's about (laughs) one-liner meaning five words or no haiku how about a haiku no that's 17 words and yeah uh, whatever um so we have an and I guess because I'm not all that familiar with Charlie Chaplin, we have his tramp character who he plays in a lot of films, I think. Yeah, he's usually the little tramp. The little tramp in, in some form or fashion. And um, he's he seems to be homeless. Um, he wanders the streets uh, doing silly things. And um, uh, in this particular case, he runs into a very beautiful uh, blind girl who's selling flowers um, on a street corner. And um, he, like, gives her his last dime for some flowers. Um, but he, he decides he wants to help her in some way. And and as luck would have it, he gets... Um, he's walking down the street and this drunk, rich man sort of, like, adopts him and takes him to dinner <laughs> and tries to give him his car. And, you know, um, so there's, like, this ongoing thing between the drunk, rich guy. And then as soon as the drunk, rich guy sobers up, he doesn't remember who the tramp is anymore. Yeah, and he's like, like his oldest friend in the world whenever he's like totally <laughs> drunk. And they have all kinds of adventures yeah. together. And then always the next day when he's hung over, he's like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> so um, I guess the, the, the sort of through line of the show is that Charlie Chaplin is trying to, or the tramp is trying to sort of leverage this friendship in order to help out um, this girl. Um, and he tries various, he tries to get a job, um, but, uh, is not good at time management and gets fired from the job. Um, so that that the street cleaning job. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
They they wanted him back from lunch. Yeah. <laughs> the lengths he'll go to just for a gag, because I'm thinking about when you have this like two minute sequence or three minute sequence where he's a street cleaner walking up and down the street. You have him avoiding the street where yeah. like a long line of horses go by. He decides to turn another <laughs> way. And then like an elephant comes into the front, like literally got an elephant to come through. And then he walks completely the opposite direction. And I just remembered the the way that he runs into the guy at first is the the drunk rich guy is trying to commit suicide by drowning himself in the river. That's that's the first scene that we have with the rich dude. So there's this ongoing comedy of like him trying to tie drunkenly trying to tie a rope around a rock so that he can throw it in the river and then drown himself and so Charlie Chaplin stops him from It's probably the funniest attempted suicide scene I've seen. <laughs> It's it's funny to to I mean because I know a lot about um, comedy from this time period because I've seen a lot of the um, uh, I don't know what you're going for the comedies from this time period screwball comedies screwball comedies I've 30s, seen a bunch of those so, depression like, era it's constantly there's like suicide <laughs> referenced in in the the 30s were a real bad time for people. <laughs> <laughs> and um, like things like uh, rich people making fools of themselves and committing suicide was the stuff of comedy, which is really interesting that the <clears throat> whole world was in this really dark place. It also makes me think about why this film, which came out after about four <clears throat> years after talking talkies had started, and actually silent films had sort of fallen out of favor at the time. Oh, yeah. But this was like a big hit. It was like the biggest hit of Charlie Chaplin's career. So, I mean, like, I think it had to do with, like, in 1929, I had the big stock market crash. Everybody's poor. Everybody's broke. It's kind of like now. Um. <laughs> well, he started the movie yeah. in 1928 yeah. and then finished it and screened it in 31, I think. Yeah. But I think that, like, it hit at just the right time when people were feeling, like, nostalgic and remembering the Charlie Chaplin films from, you know, happier times and how it... It was like kind of nice to go back and enjoy a silent film again and and you know have this character that they're familiar with and and then it's it's such a great story, you know, so and let's face it, early talkies are really clunky. I yeah. mean they're very <laughs> static, the like you know, I mean the sound isn't that great. Yeah. And this isn't this is it's a silent movie in the sense that it's pantomime. Yeah. But it's actually a sync sound film. Mm -hmm. Like, it has sound effects. He composed the score. Like, he yeah. had composed the score for his movies. Well, and too. they have, like, Charlie Brown sounding talking to... Yeah, wah, they wah. have, uh, like, a squeaky sort of... Uh, <laughs> kazoo kind of talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for for the speechifying people at the in the opening. Where in the he's opening. fallen asleep on a statue that's being unveiled. Well, and... That's a really great opening. It like has nothing to do with the rest of the story, but it's a really, you know, just sort of fun. It's almost like a short all on its own of just... Well, a lot um, of the se sequences of the movies yeah. are like the shorts, right? Yeah. You have the whole boxing escapade mm -hmm. where he's... Oh, I forgot about the boxing escapade. <laughs> which I, I didn't remember really well, so yeah. I sort of groaned a little bit inwardly when I was like, oh, I don't feel like watching a boxing thing, but it was actually really funny. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty well done, you know, he hides behind the ref the whole time. He is in complete synchronization <laughs> with the ref padding around uh, <laughs> his footsteps so that he's always exactly behind him, his feet moving in exactly the same way. So he's always out of range uh, yeah. of the other boxer. 
and then he figured he realizes that he can just ding the the the, the bell, bell yeah and everybody else acts like a pavlovian sort of dog and like runs back to the corners yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um it's great stuff um i wish that I didn't really find a way to work this in. Like if I had a little bit more time and there wasn't so much going on, I probably would have done this as a double feature kind of mm-hmm. podcast. And I wouldn't wanted to, I wouldn't have wanted to show you another Chaplin movie, but the other seminal thing that made me like really admire Chaplin as a movie director and as an artist was this documentary that came out when I was a kid around the mm. same time that I saw this for the first time called Unknown Chaplain mm. um, by these um, silent cinema scholars. And the deal is that they they found Chaplin's um, uh, archives mm-hmm. of his rehearsal films, mm. like shelves and shelves and shelves, uh, the vault of, of all of his stuff. And for the first time, they got to see how Chaplin constructed his movies. Yeah. And the staggering thing that they're able to show in that documentary is um, he rehearsed on film. Yeah. All of these bits that we see mm-hmm. as just flawlessly executed, pantomimed, synchronized, the timing just right, was laboriously constructed of take after take, him working out ideas. Yeah. And building sets with the with like a glimmer of an idea for a gag in his mind, but not sure what he's gonna do with it. And then working it out on camera, trying out different bits until he's got this sequence done and stuff. It's just amazing. <laughs> um he would. He had a. He had a. Before he made this movie, he had a million dollar deal to make twelve short films. Um, for First National was the company, and um, I think just after that, he was rich enough to on the, <laughs> after making that money to build Chaplin Studios, mm. and so he built his own um, backlot. You yeah. know, like we've been to the Paramount. He built Chaplin Studios and filmed all of these movies like City Lights. There it was open air. It was it had it had enough room to build like the city street with the with the park where he meets mm. the flower girl and the cars are like turning the corner and coming around again. Like everything shot there. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. What was I? I was reading something about the production of the thing and like they had to change some stuff because there was they were Los Angeles was changing the street La Brea that oh yeah so like they had to change some stuff about the stuff they were uh, filming because of of the changes I think it was originally intended to be Paris was the oh, original I didn't concept catch that. yeah but um I guess probably in that same documentary I don't know if they talked to him, but it ended up being sort of this like pastiche of of different types of. It doesn't feel like any one city. It it feels like it could no, be any city. I think they said that the you know the the area the the public square where mm. where she's sitting where they meet the famous yeah. meeting scene with where she's sitting there with a the flower was modeled after like a park in like Kensington or something in, in Britain from yeah. where, like the park near well, where Chaplin grew up. It felt more like that sort of, yeah. yeah, those fancy parks in, in Britain. The scene uh, where the, the guy is trying to drown himself, that looks like um, um, an American in Paris when they're dancing along the scene. Oh yeah. Scene sign. Sen. Sen. 
same. It looks like that yeah. sort of area, that sort of brick, you know, because yeah. you, you have the you stairs. You can see the stairs come down. The, down. And the embankment in London is like yeah. that as well. So. Well, I haven't been down there. So. Yeah. <laughs> I know you can walk along the beaches in, in London. but. So one here's the number I wrote down in my phone when I was researching this movie. was 342. 342 takes mm-hmm. to figure out the scene where they meet for the first time. And he tried two or three times to shoot this sequence over the course of that year yeah. and a half, year or something that they were working on that. And the problem was, how do you get the blind girl to mistake him for being a millionaire? Yeah. And they worked it out over and over and over and over. Yeah. And you have huh. this brilliant thing in the movie where he's cutting through traffic mm-hmm. and he opens the car door, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> crawls through to just to make a shortcut, just goes yeah. through the back of someone's limousine, comes out, slams the door so she hears the car door. And then he goes over, has his exchange with her, takes the flower and all that. And then she hears the car door slam as the actual owner of the, the chauffeur, the, the actual yeah. rich man gets in the car and drives away. <laughs> and she thinks it's him. Mm-hmm. The only person who would have a car then would be a rich person. And yeah. then he realizes that because he sees her looking forlornly yeah. after it. And he has to tiptoe away. So yeah. That well, yeah, she was getting his change, I think. And then yeah. she hears the door. Cl- and then he doesn't get his change, which she probably needs. But, but so you have him do it. You know, he's making the silent film but he's using the fact that it's sound film to be the the thing that makes her think that yeah he's rich and so then he she thinks he's a rich benefactor and so that's why his his um friendship with the rich guy comes in very handy because yeah. then he well and then he, helps him he has that car. car that he's able to drive her home once yeah the guy literally gives him his car yeah <laughs> until he or until he doesn't remember who he is again. Yeah, well, I was worried that. Uh, well, I mean, I guess he eventually does end up in in jail, but not not that first time. I just was worried that he was going to be caught with the car, and they would be accused of stealing. You know, the butler was not very helpful. You know. <laughs> no, the butler hated him. Yeah. <laughs> the butler was always trying to kick him out. Seems like the butler could have been a little bit nicer about things. Apparently, but... the guy who played the butler was. Chaplin's um, casting director for the movie. Like, I mean, he was a member of his company, but he yeah. also gave him the job to cast the roles for this. this well, I think originally the uh, rich guy was going to be the guy who was his art director, but like he didn't. Lo- I, uh, several times during the movie, he like fired people. He fired, he fired the original guy who was going to play the rich guy and brought in somebody else, and then um, the actress that played the uh, the blind girl. Yeah, he. He fired her and tried to replace her and then and then ended up hiring her back again. So <laughs> he would do that kind of thing. Like yeah. he would he would decide somebody wasn't right for a part and he would fire them and then he would reshoot like the movie. Yeah. Like he had the money and the means and the obsessive perfectionism to do that kind of thing. But the the reason he fired um Virginia Cheryl, who played the blind girl, was because she like wanted to leave early one it was really petty like they were working out (laughs) like a scene and she wanted to leave early for i don't even know i'm making this up probably i think it was a hair appointment i wanted to say an appointment a a dentist appointment but maybe it was a hair appointment i think it was a hair appointment. and he got fed up and said just don't come back yeah 
And he then he went to Georgia Hale, to the actress who he actually got along really well with, who was the star of The Gold Rush, and tried to recast the part and started to work with that. And then he ended up, mm, maybe we'll just, no, okay. <laughs> and then he had to bring uh, Virginia Terrell back in. Yeah. But they, he had a rough time, apparently, directing her because she was completely, had no experience, and he, he got her on sort of like, he cast her based on her, freshness and her she was the only person he believed in when he was doing um when he was casting to who was able to kind of look behave as if they were blind i guess yeah apparently she was really nearsighted and that helped that helps (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's funny her apartment i always I was like, have they gone to Italy? It like it oh, felt like a different different part of the city or something like that. It looked like it was cut to Tuscany, Tuscany or something like, like a, that. A village, a village. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's that's weird. You've got, I don't know what it is about the architecture in that little street that yeah. looks like uh, another European city or something. Well, one thing that I thought was interesting is like they they make it a point that his her grandmother has never seen him. Yeah. Like, she says it, I think, to her grandmother. It's a pity you can't ever see him, you know. So he's, like, I guess planning his visits around the time that her grandmother has gone out to sell flowers or something like that. She, she takes ill at some point during the thing and has to stay home to convalesce. Yeah. And so her grandmother goes something. out um, and does the, uh, does the flower selling for the family. But apparently there's not a whole lot of money in flower selling because they... Because they're getting evicted, right? Yeah, that, yeah. That's sort of a late act problem that they yeah. have to face. So, did you have any? What? What did you? What like? What was your? I don't want to say stereotype, but what was your impression of Chaplin before seeing the movie? Like, did you? I don't know what I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> what did this film line up with the kind of thing you think it would be, or were there any surprises for you? I, like, you who know did you the, think Chaplin was, and what his movies were like, versus the experience of seeing this feature? It's interesting. The I think my favorite scene is the scene where he's at the um, the dance hall, and they're having dinner. Oh, the spaghetti where yeah, <laughs> where he's accidentally eating streamers that are hanging. But it's over. it's funny. It's like a it's it's much more natural comedy than I expected. You know, sometimes when people are doing parodies of slapstick comedy, it doesn't look or feel very natural. It feels a little over the top and fake and like yeah. the performance there just seems so natural. And I mean, like it's. I've seen a lot of Marx Brothers, and I, I love Marx and Brothers. And I've seen very little Marx yeah. Brothers, so maybe we should go down So, that I line. mean, that's... My dad loved Marx Brothers, and I, I mean, like, we've seen, like, all of the early ones a bunch of times, Duck Soup and, um, like... I've seen Duck Soup and A Night at the Opera, and that may be it. The, is Duck Soup the one with Fredonia? I can't remember. Yeah, anyway, that's Fredonia. The, there, I mean, Animal Crackers and all I've of those. I've never seen most of those. I haven't seen a lot of the later ones, like A Day at the Races and that sort of thing. I think A Night at the Opera is the only later one that I've seen. But that I've I saw. seen a bunch of the early ones. Um, 
So, but that that kind of comedy, which I enjoy, I mean, no, it's, but it's like, it's slapstick and it's also like, it's it's like witty, Mark, Groucho Marx kind of banter type stuff that he does where the jokes just keep coming. And I enjoy that, but um, it's it's over the top, whereas I actually felt like this, I mean, it's it's slapstick, but it's very natural. It's, it's I mean, it does. It's situational. It's like it, you you almost have to like. There's no, like, leading the eye kind of thing. Like, the Marx Brothers have this thing where they're like, this is where the joke's going to... They point at where the joke's going to be, so you know to look where the joke... Uh-huh. And, like, with Chaplin, I felt like you have to watch really closely to see what's happening, because there's not, like, any, like... There's not as many sort of audio cues or directional body language type cues to show you that, that that's going to happen, which I think is interesting. Um you know. So does that make for surprise? Yeah, it's very the, surprising, the... you know, but also it's like sort of like a blink and, and you'll miss it. But like, yeah, there's so many that whole scene. It's just like one thing after another. But I didn't ever feel like it was. Remember the weird like <laughs> tango thing between the, the, yeah. the ruffian who comes in and like is throwing the woman around? Yeah, that was very weird. But it looked like a tango. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That was very strange. And and it's almost Chaplin stands up and is like, "You can't do this here." And they're like, "No, no, it's a dance, you know." <laughs> and so you also have the special thing that happens sometimes in Chaplin movies, where the champ, the tramp, is already silly and gets into yeah. strange situations, but he's drunk in this scene too, yeah. so he keeps trying to dance with other people's wives and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> and. Um, yeah, the streamers hanging over his bowl of pasta. Um, he. He ends up beating the yeah. streamer. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like the the oddly the thing with the the swapped chairs and like no one. It takes him a long time to figure out the whole swapped chairs bit. You know. Well, and I was watching, and I'm like, <laughs> when did the chair even disappear? Yeah. Like some things happen too quickly for you to even know how you got yeah. there. <laughs> well, and you know, interestingly, there's. It's a very. I don't know. It feels more real. Like, so at the beginning of the movie when he's on the statue and his pants get ripped and his pants just stay ripped the whole movie, like the whole movie. It's not his just pants, a gag. For it's, yeah, it's, it's not, he's not a cartoon. It's like, it's, he's in, he's living in a real space. Like this universe you know? of, is real. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Like you, Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so what about what about this story with the tramp and the blind girl? Is there how does that work for you? I I thought it was really good. The only thing that I didn't love is that I I mean and I think the last scene is beautifully done, but I wanted to I wanted more. I wanted to know I mean, because they kind of leave it hanging. I mean, maybe that's the nice thing, but... <laughs> well, it must do something because yeah. I tear up and every time I see yeah. that last scene, like, yeah. it gets me every... T- I'm thinking about it right yeah. now. It's just one of these moments in in the movies that really tug your heart. I don't know. Yeah. Like, some people, I think, 
Chaplin's critics, and some people come out more on the side of I'm a Buster Keaton person yeah. and Chaplin's too sentimental. <laughs> but I really like the sentiment. I really yeah. like the pathos. Mm-hmm. I really like laughing and crying. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that he he has helped to get her the operation yeah. that cures her sight. And at the end, she sees who he is, who, yeah. who her benefactor was, this little down on his luck, who's just gone to jail. He's come yeah. out of, right? He's he's just... He he's, went to jail, yeah. Apparently for not very long. So he's just been released. He's in, <laughs> his, he's in rags yeah. more even than usual, and he, come, he stumbles across her, and now she's got a flower store of her own, and mm. she can see, and she looks, he sees her through the window, and, and the moment how, that she realizes it? that how He's is it that one. he recognize her? I can't remember. Because she touches his hand and his okay. lapel. She touches his hand. That's right. When she's giving him a flower and, and like mm-hmm. some money, a quarter yeah. or whatever, a dollar, a silver dollar. I don't even know how much you would give somebody. <laughs> Probably a quarter. Yeah. And she recognizes his hand, which is yeah. another nice thing that plays into the reality of the movie is his hand, his slip, his his jacket, his ragged jacket. Well, I don't know if she would have gotten the ragged part, but I think yeah. it's his hand. And then she says, it's you. Yeah. And the, it, you have like one of the most famous closing fade outs ever of, is that moment where they're looking into each other's eyes and yeah. he's looking at her holding the flower. <laughs> this, like very bashful and, move, yeah. and moved. And it's like, <laughs> I think it earns that moment. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like that's I think that's why I like this film so much because you have a real story. I mean the the one reelers and all the silly Chaplin gags, you know, the short movies mm-hmm. are great, but this one tells a full story about people, yeah. but within the framework of this kind of a comedy and this kind of silliness, and it all goes somewhere and yeah. things have consequences. And I don't know, you feel like you have experienced that relationship with them even though it's just an hour and a half silent movie i don't know it's it's special yeah it makes me sad that we didn't i mean like that the the resolution for the rich guy because like charlie chaplin saved his life you know or the tramp saved his life you know did you want the rich guy to recognize that he's all right yeah. Even when he's not drunk? Yeah. <laughs> or did you just want him to always be drunk? <laughs> or something, you know, because the, they had such like a, a fun kind of, you know, they did stuff together. Oh, I he felt, like opened up to him and, you I know. I always felt so bad when yeah. he like didn't recognize him the next yeah. day because I like felt like if as if that was me, yeah. you know, somebody who you thought was your new best friend yeah. is now like, get away from me, you yeah. know, throw him out of the house. <laughs> I had, I mean, I know it's been some time since I've seen this because I, had, I didn't remember that the rich man was such a major character. Yeah. I didn't remember all of these adventures they had together. I sort of just thought it was like an opening setup kind well, of thing. Well, and like God, he must be. I mean, he was trying to commit suicide when he met him, but he must be miserable because like. Well, his wife had just left him. Yeah, they said. he he was he must have been yeah because he just all he does is get like mind-numbingly drunk all the time. You know, like. We see him three or four times during the movie, and each time it's because he's gotten completely blitzed, you know. So he's 
he's clearly feeling something, you know, and it's a little scary every yeah. time they get completely blitzed and then they're like, let's go out. Yeah. And you're like, who's driving? <laughs> who's driving the car? Because there is a crazy driving around, careening yeah. around type of scene. Several of those. Well, which they actually probably, shot on down in downtown yeah. LA streets. Some Riding some, on roads was not very safe back then. I was wondering <laughs> if you appreciated any of the uh, seeing uh, LA circa 1928 yeah. as they're driving around because that's probably the one thing they shot on location. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the the drowning thing yeah. that's all on Chaplin's lot. On I mean the that lot. that they yeah. built a huge swimming pool kind of mm-hmm. set up and the and the the area where that has the outer rim of the park where they meet it's a bit, you mm-hmm. know along the gate where it's a it's at a it's at a crossing you know i mean yeah. where two two roads connect and like they had to orchestrate there was nowhere for those cars to go the cars are literally like orchestrated to kind of go around the corner off camera mm-hmm. and then turn around and come, come back back, the other back and forth and so they had like a <laughs> assistant director choreographing all of that um <laughs> But it's the same cars going around yeah. and around and same people. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Another thing that I thought that you, that I didn't know until I was looking at one of the documentaries on the, sorry, I don't know why I'm pointing down the hall. Yeah. Um, on the DVD. We watched the Criterion um, City Lights, which is from a new 4K transfer and it looks amazing and, and all that. But there's a piece on there that where they have some behind the scenes stuff mm. and i think it's the um the opening scene you were talking about with the statue yeah so the way they shot that when you see the long that kind of establishing shot where you're looking at the crowd and then the statue and then the buildings behind it like the skyline that skyline is to- a totally fake trompe l'oeil you know trick of the eye kind yeah. of thing i don't know how to pronounce french anymore so that the at the bottom part of the of the backdrop of the buildings is real, mm-hmm. but the top part is is a constructed miniature set that okay. they have the camera positioned in just such a way mm-hmm. that it looks that it naturally sits right on top of the. You know what I mean? It's uh-huh. so bizarre. I don't know. It looks real. Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't actually have to build the buildings all yeah. the way up, you know, like that. They the top. It's probably like miniature, like this, you yeah. know, this scale, and then the rest. And but they have the camera positioned in such a way that it looks like it all. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff they were doing in Citizen Kane later on. Yeah. Or something else. <laughs> so where do we go next? With Chaplin or with, uh, uh, would you see another one? Yeah, certainly. I think I've I've gone beyond the. Uh, is it in? Is it? Does it have words? <laughs> is it in color? Well, I don't <laughs> like think, I did when I was like. I don't think I would be able to get Sky to watch it now. Yeah, and and I would never have been able to introduce it now. Yeah, it's the fact that I showed. Fiona Chaplin when Dad she capital. was three. Dad Capital, yeah. <laughs> also, it was YouTube. Yeah. Where you can press play and little movies play for you. I. Yeah, I think it really benefit. It would. It's incredible to me. I was thinking about this. This came out in 1931. It's been nearly 90 years 
since this film came out. It's just an incredible amount of time. Like, I mean, what the first movies have been out for, I mean, the first movies that were made were, what, 120 years now? Yeah. I mean, this, this, I mean, this is the media that defined the last century. I mean, like, I think we know what the media that's going to define this century is already. (laughs) It's going to be the internet. But, I mean, like, it's amazing how affecting it is, you know, still like 90, 90 years, almost 90 years later, it's, it's, it's still something that that's understood and, and readable. It, it doesn't feel old, you know, in, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a little bit timeless, I guess. It would have been, um, it's still an experience to see it with an audience. I mean, we're not seeing anything with an audience anymore. (laughs) I mean, it's going to be a while before we get to go back to the movie theaters, something else we can talk about sometime. But I've seen some of these, like I've seen modern times at the Paramount downtown in Austin. And, um, it still communicates. It still (laughs) makes people laugh. It still, you know, will pack a a room full of people like absolutely laughing and, and, um, experiencing the silliness and the joy of Chaplin. Well, and I think that part of its timelessness is that, that this is still how we, I mean, like in a large way, how we still live in, in cities, there's all these stories and weird things going on and, you know, stashes being dedicated and guys getting drunk and their dance clubs and, you know, all of that. Turbulent times in the economy. That's still going on. People I mean, out of work. Still, I don't know. It's it's kind of neat. I mean, is I guess with the clothing was that was that a little early or was that I don't know what the clothing would look like in the thirties really. So I I don't know. I, I don't know. It's hard to know. I mean. I don't know. I can only picture Chaplin yeah. in his baggy, <laughs> r- r- you know. Well, I mean, rags. I think that it was a lot of um, sort of tweeds and yeah. I don't know. I think the the style of dresses, you know, fashion is not really a thing in this, but you know, <laughs> it's interesting. His character is kind of um, he's not like a rough homeless no. person or a hobo or whatever. He's no. kind of like a gentleman. Yeah, yeah, homeless tramp like he has it's almost like he used to have money yeah because he has like certain graces and um like he shakes people's hands and he he wipes things like he's fastidious in a Mm. way right he has certain mannerisms you know he'll dust off he'll polish off a bench before he sits down you know he's kind of (laughs) he's he's a little fussy (laughs) yeah but he's completely down on his luck i don't know it's i i think that um I read that this this kind of a character, the gentleman tramp, mm. comes out of English musical theater, like okay, um, cabaret, I was cause and he's... that's where Chaplin came from. So it's likely that this kind of a character would have been something that was would have been um, familiar to people yeah. who watch those kinds of things. That sort of silly, I don't know. Yeah. So he brought that to the movies, and. He's a uh, flawless pantomime, and some of his movements look like ballet. The way it's yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah, he seems to have, like, control. Well, I mean, that scene, the boxing scene is incredible. Like, the body control that he has there. I gotta show you I mean, you it some... sounds like, it's like a dance. I, I mean, yeah. it must, I mean, I don't know how many takes that would have taken. Just so hundreds. Many. I mean, like, I'm, literally, they have, <laughs> like, he just would shoot reels and reels and reels of, of these rehearsals until they got it right. He rehearsed it on film to see how it looked. But it's great. I need to show you some of the clips sometimes where mm. where you see him out of character directing yeah. and stuff. It's unrecognizable. I mean, yeah. he's like he's like a you know military commander or something. Mm. He's completely serious and perfectionist, and and whether he's in the tramp outfit or not, it's like yeah. to see that character layer dissolve and him being there. You know, like yeah. it's fascinating. <laughs> he really was not easy to work for. Yeah. I don't think he like drove his his crew and his cast like crazy. You know, it's funny, as, as much as, like, I'm aware of Charlie Chaplin, like, I think, like, my only, like, knowledge of him as, like, a person, like, comes from, like, maybe the aviator or something like that, you know, because he's, like, a character in that. Well, there's a biopic there yeah. where Robert Downey Jr. I played Chaplin. Called, yeah. called Chaplin. Called Chaplin, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I liked it because I like Chaplin, so yeah. I liked, you know, the story. I, I, it's okay. It's it's a good film. It's not a great film. Well, you know. Yeah. I was going to say something about Robert Downey Jr., which is that I used to like him a lot more than I do now. <laughs> like, I could see, like, that That seems like a good idea at the time, you know. He's a great chaplain. Yeah, yeah. He's, oh, he's a like great a chaplain. great actor. He was able to channel chaplain. He doesn't have to do that anymore because no. he's just Iron Man, but, you know. There was a, I always thought he was a fantastic, I mean, back in his, like, struggling with addiction. Yeah. But, like, beneath all that, he was this, I think, like, incredibly sensitive actor that, um, you know, now doesn't have to do that because he's, like, a big star and doesn't have to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I would watch that, you know. <laughs> it's good. The Charlie and his Char- Chaplin and his brother Sydney and how they come over to America yeah. and all, the whole the whole life to when he's Well, Danny Jr. had this vulnerability about him that definitely I I saw that tramp that sort of like going with like going with the flow but but sensitive to to how And I think how he, the world is seeing him and how I don't know how he's presenting. I think he had a rough childhood oh, yeah. like his mother was mentally ill i think yep. and um some of that's in the film too mm-hmm. which was hard for me because i was going through some of that yeah. at the time too but yeah i don't know anyway i was i, I need i don't i'd been wanting to do this for a while to 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 do a chaplain movie but i was like can we do a silent movie can we do a chaplain movie on this show can i follow the wicker man with a chaplain movie yes <laughs> yes we can do that so it's a little bit Oddly, a little more subtle than than uh, the Wicker Man. I like the Wicker oddly. Man. Yeah, the Wicker Man's good, but um, yeah, that's I guess that's the big takeaway for me is that that the genius of his physical comedy is that it's so maybe subtle isn't the word, but more natural than than anything that I've seen before. It isn't yeah. like. You know, it isn't. It's like seeing. <laughs> this is a terrible example. Like 
a I really good mime, it. like a yeah. really good professionally yeah. Yeah. trained. Trained mime. I know, like, I know the thing about mimes. I know the thing about mimes. But basically <laughs> but like, a lot of those, what he's doing those is Those who are professionally trained to do that work, I mean, their skill and their talent, I mean, it looks effortless. It looks... They can make images appear in your mind, you know. And I feel like that sort of is the physical comedy that Charlie Chaplin is able to do, you know. Not that there's anything wrong with this sort of over-the-top kind of thing, but um, that, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's elegant and effortless in a way that I didn't expect. You and know? it's all character-driven, too. Yeah. Like it all, and it all comes out of real situations. Mm-hmm. And I think that was part of his growth as a film director and as a storyteller was that what used to be bits, you mm-hmm. know, became more rooted in character yeah. and situation <laughs> it's i don't know so uh, if anybody out there's never taken a chance with the chaplin movie yeah these things are still <laughs> some of the best <laughs> movies ever made i think but well and i'd like to know more because i know that in the 40s that there was sort of a backlash against his you know well you know because of the political backlash against yeah, some all... of that's in the robert downey jr yeah. movie yeah <laughs> This is a good, uh, what should we watch on a Friday night kind of a thing sometime. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. In some ways I know a lot more about other directors that, you know, would have been around the same time, but for some reason don't know a lot about his life or. And I don't remember which the details. Which seems like crazy. Like I should, it seems like it should be something that you know. That, yeah. I mean, but I mean, like, why would I? We didn't study it in school and, you know, I. There wasn't a salacious uh, yeah. biography like there was of uh, Alfred Hitchcock for me to read. Maybe there is. I've read that one. It's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> the Dark Side of Genius. <laughs> well, Chaplin has a famous... Uh, he wrote his bi- My Autobiography yeah. by Charlie Chaplin. Well, and it seems like they book. almost have sort of... I, I guess he's a little older than Alfred Hitchcock. A few, not much older, though. I honestly don't know exactly yeah. when they were born. Yeah. Well, uh, Chaplin was 80, 1889, and I don't know when Hitchcock was born. But Probably they, around the same. Yeah, and he died in 1977. I just looked this up. but So, and, I mean, they're kind of contemporaries, but like Chaplin's stuff starts earlier, a little bit earlier than Hitchcock. Yeah. But they're, I mean, they, they're both from Britain. They're both, you know, grew up in the... They both started tough in the side silence. Of the, tough side. You know, uh, Chaplin after this went on to make movies for... A number of years, yeah, t- right? Well, Into his the last talkies. film was 1967. Monsieur Verdoux and uh, um, Limelight, yeah, which I did not appreciate at all when I saw that when I well, was like the 10. The weird thing is I haven't, like I was looking at the list of his older film, you know, later films, and I didn't recognize any of the names of any of them. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I've never been a huge fan of The Great Dictator, which yeah. is, I mean, but I've probably only seen it once, but that's yeah. the famous one where there's a Hitler-like character mm. that he plays that's, yeah. you know, dancing around with the with the balloon that looks like a, the globe, you know? Mm. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Too soon. Still. Well, well, it was before, though, or during, right? It it's was, a direct commentary on the um, rise yeah, of Hitler, exactly. so it's during. It's I during. Mean, <laughs> I can't think of it. I mean, there must be art that's that's 
covering no, I, the current I, rise in I, fascism I, I that we have. I can't you criticize know? the fact that he made it. I was just saying yeah. I didn't. I I've seen it only once many years ago, and I don't appreciate it as much as you yeah. Know. And it's it's also a talkie, like where the tramp talks in it, mm. and it's very unsettling to yeah. hear Chaplin talk. Well, I mean, Chaplin has any... a very aristocratic yeah. sounding posh yeah. kind of accent. So it's very strange when you finally hear these characters, his, this his character talk. talk. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I don't, I don't know. It's any work that, that is highly critical of, or commentary on current events. It's so tricky to do that. You know, it's, it's, it's almost always, you know, you have to either hit it right on the head or it's like it's going to completely miss, you know, so. And I know that there's mixed feelings about that film, you know. I know well, I'm some not people criticizing the fact that yeah. he did it. I just, it doesn't no. speak to me as as, yeah. as much as, uh, you know, where he's trying to make a statement as much as yeah. where he's just trying to tell this love story. <laughs> so Well, yeah, it's, it's, I guess political commentary is not as fun to watch as a, a love story, generally speaking. <laughs> this did make me want to go back and see a lot of those earlier, the, you know, like the 12 shorts he made for a million dollars and all that kind of stuff. Just. So the other, I mean, so the kid, I can't remember if that one has a story or not. Or is yeah, it, no, it has a story. Okay. so And it's also another, it has a, another huge heartstring kind of yeah, thing yeah. where the kid's being kidnapped and, yeah, I haven't and seen... taken away by child services or whatever. It's yeah. very sad. <laughs> Well, and that one was 10 years before, so he yeah, was... That's when he was pretty much experimenting with the longer form films mm-hmm. for the first time. That was probably his longest one up until, okay. up to that point. It was six reels. Okay. <laughs> as um, long as that, before... That, what, six, 20 minutes each or 18 minutes each? It's an hour. Yeah. Pretty much okay. 10, 10, 11 minutes in a, a reel, I think. Okay. So, yeah. So, it's, one thing I read about this is this film he shot... 300,000, over 300,000 foot of film for... For City Lights? For City Lights, yeah. And spend $1.5 million <laughs> on it, I think, is what I read. Wow. Is that... I guess that's a lot for the time. For then. <laughs> and then um, he he publicized it himself, like, booked yeah. it into the theaters, rent, you know, did the huge marketing blitz. He had an opening screening in L.A. with um, Albert Einstein as his personal guest and all this. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, that's the thing is, can you imagine anyone being able to do that now? I mean, like, there's just not the money. The money isn't centralized in, in like Hollywood anymore. Just you about know? the biggest star in the world. Yeah, that so time. he could do anything that he wanted. I mean, like, now there's not there's not anyone that could like, you know, produce, market, and direct and write and and this is really all in one this thing. is really the height of his career too yeah. i think because of talkies and everything it, it's a, it's a down it's downward mm. and it's it's just not a plummet like yeah. he has other successes and stuff but nothing quite ever reaches this pinnacle four years into the sound movies i'm gonna make <laughs> a damn sound he thought it was a phase he thought yeah. it was a fad he thought the talkies would die after a few months or something like that yeah <laughs> Turns out people like to hear people talk yeah. sometimes. Cool. It's, yeah. <laughs> so that was our exploration of uh, silent comedy. We'll do it again sometime. 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 Yeah, I guess I need to see more of the German silent stuff. Yeah, you know, I took a whole class on that once. Mm-hmm. I could be really that's, irritating that's, and pedantic was, while we watched yeah. them. <laughs> okay, that's great. <laughs> 
No, I won't so I've got that. the Italian new wave. I'm all up on that. I could get a more French, but I kind of missed out on a lot of the German stuff. You've got stuff. the neorealism and uh, the Umberto Day and the Bicycle Thieves and all that, but we need to go do a German expressionist yeah, side. that's thing. right. I've, I've seen a few of those. Like, I guess the... I've seen some Lenny, Lenny Reifen, Reifenstahl. See, I've, I've still yeah. seen clips. yeah. It's well, not I every, just saw her. You don't often want to sit just, down and watch Triumph of the Will. No, well, I've, I've seen it. <laughs> we didn't even watch it in film school. Interesting. We saw clips, I think. It's beautifully shot. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give it that. Well, they also never showed us The Birth of a Nation. Yeah. Uh, well, Griffith, I mean, so. I don't know if there's certain things. That's a whole different conversation. But I don't know if there's certain things that we should just, like, fall by the wayside or... I don't know if it's... Leave it to the uh, scholars to remember. Yeah, that that there are enough beautifully shot films that we don't have to watch those that are Nazi propaganda, you know. Yeah. <laughs> or KKK propaganda. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a strange note to end this yes. show on. <laughs> Go see Chaplin instead of <laughs> have certain so films by D.W. Griffith. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, watch something that makes you Intolerance good. is good if you see a Griffith movie. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, I think that's it for this time. We've we've uh, taken our trip back in time to see The Little Tramp, and it still brought a smile to my face, and I'm glad that uh, we did this together. Yeah. And I'm happy you hadn't seen this so I could be the one to show it to you. We'll catch you next time. Alrighty. Back Bye. in two weeks with Ashley's pick. Thanks a lot for listening. Bye. Bye.